I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lyndon from Bristol, and you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, if Noah held a death match on the Ark, which animal would win? Okay, here comes the show, and remember, question everything. Hello everybody, welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer and occasional actor Dane Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer, Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we're talking everything from... Everything from Lyndon from Bristol's question, if Noah held a deathmatch on the Ark, which animal would win? Lyndon, that's dark, mate, but uh, Dane, what do you reckon? It's dark, but Lyndon recognises that we do live in a circle of life, which is actually really subversively a circle of death. Um, but I would say, <laughs> in my experience, and given the fact that sharks and leviathons like blue whales would have not, or humpbacks would have not been on the ark, uh, neither would orcas, known as killer whales, when they really should be called sea pandas, I think uh, that men, the men on the ark, uh, Noah's sons, uh, Ham, Shem and Japheth, you're one of those guys. One of those guys. You don't get many people called ham anymore, do you? But uh... you don't really. It's like there's not. It's more of a suffix now, isn't it? Like Graham or uh, Lee Ham. I don't know if that works Lee exactly ham, the same yeah. way. But Lee <laughs> Ham and Graham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, but I would say but the Bible, isn't it? It's the Bible, isn't it? You, you, you know, they're, 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 men always ruins everything in the Bible. Pretty much, yeah. Dead, deadliest, deadliest of all the species, if you ask me. So that's why I think Lyndon. I think man would win. But suffice to say, in this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions. Isn't that right, Dane? Absolutely. No question is too stupid. No question is too small. And if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode or subscribe to us on ACARS, the world's biggest podcast network. With that being said, on today's show is a seminal British stand-up comedian. He received a record-breaking five nominations for the Best Show Award at the Edinburgh Festival, winning the Melbourne Comedy Festival Outstanding Show Award in 2019. His much-heralded Netflix show, Repertoire, features four hours of stand-up specials and is an entire anthology, and he has also written two best-selling books, Perfect Sound Whatever and Classic Scrapes. He also co-hosts the Dave Show Hypothetical and the hit podcast, Off Menu. Please welcome to the show, the inimitable and incredible James Acaster. Thank you so much, Dane. Ah, oh, that warmed my heart. So many memories in that intro. Our first uh, question, just to, uh, to whet your inquisitive mind, how are you, James? How have you been? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, I've, uh, I've probably, you know, it's been an up and down year. Some of the parts of uh, lockdown and uh, self-isolation and that weird moment when we were in between lockdowns and no one knew what the rules were. Some <laughs> of those moments, some of those elements, aspects of that have been good and I've been like, oh, actually, maybe I'm going to keep on doing this for the rest of my life. And some of the aspects have been bad and I've missed the normal world. I think that's pretty That's pretty normal, right? That's Most people probably felt like that. Uh, James, what things have you missed then? Have you? Because it is weird that we're now at the end of 2020 and we're still in this situation aren't we so mm. i think I've, i think i've just missed the world itself just being normal like i haven't missed that much <laughs> about my life i mean maybe i've missed kind of i definitely missed going out for meals and eating in restaurants and i've missed uh you know uh our job as comedians we get to travel the world a little bit i've definitely missed that uh, as well so um and i haven't seen my family as much and given my mum and dad listen to pretty much every podcast that i'm on i should probably say that i've missed seeing my family as shout much out, as i normally shout, shout out the yeah, acaster yeah. uh, matriarch and patriarch and also yeah it was special uh, honorable mention to your dad as well who was very complimentary about my uh, work i remember walking around edinburgh and him uh, and i was walking through the edinburgh festival with my parents and suddenly i was like where's my dad he was with us a second ago i don't know where he's gone and i looked up the hill and he was chatting to dane and telling dane how much he loves his comedy and i was i was ecstatic and uh, as i said at the time mr a class the senior you never touch your pocket if you want to come and see my show yes 
uh, it's, it's a pleasure and always, and always a gesture of goodwill. Um, there's a lot of elements of lockdown. Uh, there's certain elements of uh, stillness and solace that I've enjoyed. Uh, but yeah, at the same time, I think it's been a real reminder of our humanity because I, I, I see COVID as almost nature's uh, nature kind of like, you know, grandstanding on capitalism. And it's kind of been like, mm-hmm. I've begun to appreciate yeah, those more human aspects of like, it's nice to have fine dining, but I realized that it's really having people to go to dinner with is a lot more important than fine dining. In a I also realize there's little things I miss, like just coming home to my wife. Like I never come home to her anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it used to be kind of, Hey, I haven't seen you for a little while. <laughs> You know, everything we're here every day. Uh, no, I can go. I can come home to you in like coming coming out of the different room. But other than that, it's just exactly. Uh, it's novel, the novelty of it of, of of encounters or the novelty of new encounters. You know, should be for a social species that is thrilling. So when you you know you know, I mean, most rappers used to articulate that by saying like nothing is better than new pussy. But what I'm saying is that like <laughs> there are human beings and complicated. Uh, minds and nerves attached to said pussies and I'm appreciating that a lot more now. Jane, that's so romantic. <laughs> right? uh, yeah. It's it's really hard when you uh live by yourself to like hone your interpersonal skills. So I'm like, what I'm trying to say is ladies and then <laughs> I appreciate no pussy, but I appreciate pussy in general. Yeah. Oh, so. good. Well it's probably time for, it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane, on that bombshell. Uh, absolutely uh james as i say uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast as uh, an admired peer and a guest um uh, so we invite you as our esteemed guest to ask our first question which we could discuss for 15 minutes for some change and then how to ask a question uh posed to both of us which you can also discuss and then lather rinse repeat i'll ask a question and then we can let our fans know where and listeners know where they can find you and uh for those who may not have heard you before to enjoy the novelty of encounter you can plug uh, all of your current projects and future projects so like a plan good good well well then sir uh, i invite you to ask our first question well i mean i feel like that that first one with the noah's ark one is a such a great question <laughs> really that uh, I, I now feel ashamed about the one i'm bringing to the table but um, linden linden well done thank you linden. yeah well done linden excellent question um i so this is something i've always thought about my life maybe i've watched too many films and tv shows and so you know, there are certain devices that get used so often in films and that make me wish they were real. And one is the body swap films, uh, like stuff like Freaky Friday and stuff like that. Um, and I've always wondered, like, yeah, I've always wanted to do a body swap and to suddenly find myself in someone else's body. I would like to ask you guys if you could body swap with anyone who's currently alive, any current, any current living person, uh, who would it be and why? And what would you do? It's a great question. That's a very good question. It's a lovely... That's a really good question. I mean, interesting to think about how many body swap films... Would you consider face-off body swap? It's probably... Not, face-off doesn't count as a body swap. It's just a face swap, obviously. No. Uh, yeah, it's just, just a real negative... Yeah, real negative commentary on, on, <laughs> on how far the cosmetic industry will go if left, if, if left unregulated. We're sticking to the harsh rules of, of the body swap film, which is that I am obviously still me. I'm just in someone well, else's they vary, body. Well, they, they vary how with body swap films because body swap films, uh, they could the duration of the swap is either based on if you learn whatever spiritual lesson you need to learn or the semantics that you need to learn in the film, you can switch back. Or does it take the mm. same kind of natural disaster of lightning striking back in the same place to switch you? Um, or I guess the other one is if you're able to appease said witch who you initially offended. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so those, those all things. And then my other, the only sub question I have to it is, is there a time limit for how long the, the, the uh, body swap takes place, James? Very good question. Like, like a day or a week? Yeah. Um, I would say that uh, there's not a time limit, but you can basically, basically, let's say there's one of those machines where you sit down and the thing goes on your head and then there's light and then you swap. So both of, both of you know where that machine is and you can go and use it, which might inform your decision because you might be like, well, you know, I want someone I, I can trust who I know is going to, hold up their end of the bargain and go to the machine with me when we well I'm ready to switch back. I get you. I get you. Yeah. I like it. I mean for me, my instant reaction, Dane, if you don't mind me kind of Not going first, is um is, is is just that there's the simple fact that I never 
Uh, you probably know about me. This bit about me, James. Uh, is I never played professional sport. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no one will be surprised about that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it was, it, I, and I, I often think it would be one of the most interesting lives to lead, but probably not for my whole life. Actually, sometimes mm-hmm. I look at sportsmen and I think they're a bit miserable, really, aren't they? Like they've had to kind of dedicate every minute of their lives to being able to create this image of and, and its career. And then that career is over and you mm. spend a load of time talking about <laughs> other people doing it. So I would definitely think about body swapping into a sportsman. That's my natural reaction. Uh, picking the sportsman. That's tough, right? That's a tough yeah. gig. Cause you've got some great people to choose from in there. Uh, I, I would obviously as a football fan, think about, you know, your Cristiano Ronaldo's of this world. He's getting a bit old, so maybe you know it's a bit late in the day. Um, maybe maybe, obviously maybe think, spend a day in his shoes to find out how that feels for someone to be like he's getting old now, even though you're you have all these accolades, but people are like, yeah, but he's almost thirty seven now. So <laughs> I don't know how that feels. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of you'd be tempted to go for someone who's at the, at the top of their game, you know, uh, uh, you know, like a, a Mo Salah seems like a lovely man. I mean, I'm not a Liverpool fan, but uh, I bet he has a nice life, and I bet it's quite. You could, you could put in a tra- you could you could put in a transfer request. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I could change the course of football history. They could be like, um, we've got one more game until we win. Even if we lose, we win. And you'd be like, I don't care. <laughs> I want to go to the Emirates Stadium. <laughs> no, I think I think I'd probably have to pick an Arsenal player if I was doing football. So uh, and they're and they're not doing very well at the moment. So I, I would probably regret that instantly. Having you know, but to play for my team would be fun. But I'd probably end up picking LeBron James. Uh, uh, James oh, Ancaster, because LeBron James, I think, is the most remarkable, man, <laughs> remarkable man in our world at the moment. You know, he's he does everything he wants, and he still wins basketball every uh, every mm-hmm. week. So, um, and also, I am not very similar uh, to LeBron James. Uh, so, in what ways? <laughs> I'd love to know myself, James. So I'm ready to see yeah. where he goes with this. Other than having two legs and two arms, I don't think I've got any other similarities between me and LeBron James, really. And, and, and you know, a, a love of basketball, uh, that, <laughs> would be, that would be on the list. But there's not really many, you know, I, I, you know, I think that would be an incredible experience to be LeBron James for a week. And then obviously he would not enjoy being me for a week, I assume. Maybe he'd enjoy the rest, but... Uh, tough what you got to think about is that like would he be happy being you but also if you suddenly were in lebron james's body that doesn't mean you're now good at basketball right oh shit oh because basketball is not just about you know athleticism it's about the yeah it's a very tactical game basketball yeah yeah and i haven't got a lot of experience as i mentioned of being a professional sportsman so yeah tricky Did, did did you watch the last dance yeah, yeah, enjoyed Amazing. that. Amazing. And you just really, you watch that and go, it's all about, it's up here as well. It's uh, how much you want it, you, how competitive you are, you know. Yeah. Oh, God, that is tricky, isn't it? So now I'm thinking sport. Okay, Dane, where have you got up to with this? I'm going to I'm gonna have a rethink because this is now getting more challenging. Well, uh, on the subject of sport, James Acaster has introduced a curveball into this uh, question because <laughs> I thought it was a given that your kinesthetics would still remain the same if you, if you switched. But you're right, it takes more than just... You know, you just being a pilot in the piloting the, um, the, the the plane doesn't mean you know you can necessarily fly as good as the next pilot. So, with that being said, and if I go to an athlete, the thing is, I have an idea of somebody, but I'm not sure if I know who their their name. But essentially, I want to be like the second largest majority shareholder at like Google. So I'm not right. like the main guy, but I just come and sit down and stuff and give and I give like you know dubious. I just make dubious decisions like. I second the motion of monitoring people's heart rates via their phones. And then I return back to the shadows. And I say that because I feel like if I body swap with that guy, most of my peers won't necessarily notice. They'll just be like, oh, what's that? Like, we'll be in like the bathroom. They'll be like, you are unseasonably less evil today. What's happening? And I'll be like, I don't know. I think I feel sick. And then what I'll do is then begin my plan of redistributing the wealth of Google to the less fortunate and then also mm-hmm. then probably like we're like, I want to access the mainframe, which probably exists. And they're like, but that has Bernie Sanders nudes on there. Among other things, you know that uh, Boris Johnson sex tapes there. We're not supposed to show it. I'm like, do you mm-hmm. know who the fuck I am? Uh, <laughs> which I know sounds very autocratic, but sometimes James, as Jeff Moneyson from Google says, 
Yeah. As I, <clears throat> I mean, as I always say, sometimes you have to stroke the devil to save the righteous. So <laughs> that is what you always say. Yeah. That's so what I always say. if 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 you're doing that, and Jeff Moneyson is in your body, and he's now a stand-up comedian, <laughs> is all of his comedy going to be observational about the world, which would basically be the new world that you're creating? As him, is all, all is all of his, all of well, for, as far as the public are concerned, all of Dane Baptiste's new material is kind of really heavily focused on the <laughs> yeah. new world being created by Google. <laughs> and for some reason, Dane Baptiste is really angry about it and really anti <laughs> the yeah, way could, things are going. That could be. And everyone's like, you know, Dane Baptiste's comedy has taken a very weird turn. Here's the thing. Here's my here's my issue with all this is that I think you are doing a lot of good in Jeff Moneyson's body. I think you're weirdly uh, protecting Jeff Moneyson quite a lot through this whole thing. I don't think Jeff Moneyson is protecting you while he's in your body, and I think he's going to get Dame Baptiste cancelled because he's going to be going on stage saying a bunch of stuff that's like anti, you know, solving climate change, anti this, that. He's going to be really right-wing, really problematic, and when you get back in your own body, you might not have a career anymore. Oh, that's true. Do you, do you have someone, James? Uh, you, James, you must want to body swap someone, surely. Probably just my girlfriend. <laughs> Very good. You know, we can, we can uh, you know, just, just body swap together uh, and, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll still be living pretty much the same lives. We know how to pass ourselves off as, as each other. But, uh, you know. <laughs> what a weird like, film that is. That makes Big look not as weird, right? Because Big is a body swap type of film, right? It's not mm. a body swap classic, but as in, like, that's not the traditional body. But it has a body swap element, right? Kind of. It, it, his own it's, body grows up, doesn't it? Yeah, it's more, that's more, it's more of the accelerated ageing 13 to 30 uh, uh, paradigm as opposed to, like, the body swap because the thing about Big is that I think I've seen, there's another film called Little, which does it in reverse, where a woman goes from being 30 to like being 13, which was, which worked for a young woman. I think the idea of a man being like, well, if I could be 13 again and go back to school, like that's a sure. premise I'm not that comfortable with anymore. Before, yeah. as now, now I'm an adult, the idea of a guy being like, what would happen if a guy woke up? This is Jeff Moneyson, 60 years <laughs> old, successful CEO. But when, what was high school like for Jeff? And then Jeff wakes up and he's like, oh my God. I'm back in junior high. I'm like, I feel like your inclinations, having the inclinations of like a 60 year old, but being in a 14 year old body, it doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me. I mean, big, that's the big, you know, the massive problem with it. And everyone, even when I was a kid and watched it at the end, I thought, hold on, she's just slept with a child. Yeah. 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 And that's just the problem with it, isn't it? Is that I can't, I believe so many people making that film and no one, if, if you watch the, uh, no one ever watches to the end of the credits, but at the end of the credits, she does go to prison. Uh, yeah, it's okay, quite yeah, yeah. sad actually. That, uh, her whole life is, been ruined. Is it sad though? Justice is served, or been, or was, she, or was it entrapment? Who knows? That's the real. <laughs> some, those are the real moral questions that are posed at the end of every big screening. Mm. Might as well have been done by the Cohen brothers. I mean, that's you know, <laughs> or an Aronofsky film. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah. Well, that's the big that we all experienced. <laughs> well, that's a good tri- trio of, of options, though. James's girlfriend, LeBron James, and... <laughs> and, and, Je- and Jeff Manison, senior, senior shareholder at Google Incorporated. Yeah. Well, yeah. we won't probably see any of those films actually happen, sadly, but um, mm. unless James finds a way in his lockdown life to exchange bodies with his girlfriend. Would your girlfriend be all right with that, James, do you think? Or? I think she'd be up for that for like a, a, a short amount of time. You know, like she'd trust me that I'd swap back whenever she wanted to. And, uh, you know, we're just kicking around the flat together at the minute anyway. Um, it'd be nice for this the day that, you know, she she does some podcasts and I do her job. For, she works from home. So, uh, you know, we'll just do that for a bit. And then, uh, and then we can kiss each other and see what it's like to be the other person. I think that's a really good idea. I actually, I actually think if they, I think that's such a good idea, James. I really think if if uh, relationship counselors or therapists had that technology, they would absolutely <laughs> use that. They would absolutely. I think I think that would be the ultimate form of intimacy because then you could be like, mm. and then you swap back and you're like, no, you're right. I don't spend long enough, and then you yes, know, it's something stuff like yeah. that. I, th- I think it's really good. 
Would you would you like get a tattoo like a tattoo of your own name on your girlfriend's body and be like she's like why does it say James under my left boob and you'd be like yeah look, look I'm not I'm not going to roll that out Dane I'm, I'm not, I, I can't I can't say that I wouldn't do it in all honesty well it was uh, it was a very good question and um, obviously listeners if you have a body swap you'd like to suggest or uh, let us know what you've done in your spare time during lockdown. Um, We'd love to hear about it. Probably newsworthy, really, uh, if it is. But, um, Absolutely. But thank you, James, for bringing uh, an excellent hypothetical uh, question, which I know you like a hypothetical, obviously. I do. Love them. Uh, and, um, and my question in today's episode is, is going gonna, is gonna to diverge a little bit into comedy geekery, if that's okay uh, with, mm. with you both. Obviously, uh, masters of your craft, the pair of you. And um, I, I was thinking about an interesting thing that, uh, uh, you know, kind of comes up now and again with... Um, with the punters out there, you know, the, the normal people outside of the industry who often find it surprising that, you know, people write all of their stuff. <laughs> you know, kind of Obviously, you can improvise. Uh, everyone does a bit of it. And, and, and so kind of my question was, was quite a, a simple thing, which is kind of, you know, how much of comedy for you guys is natural as opposed to being nurtured? So how much of it kind of kind of comes out uh, as organically as people kind of fantasise that comedy is natural and uh, how much of it is sat and, and churned out in front of a notepad or a laptop. And uh, James, I'm fascinated to see where you stand on this. Uh, yeah, you go first, James. I, I like that. And that's a good question, huh? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, I'd say so it's, I've gone through different stages over the years, but like... Um, I don't write anything down anymore. So for any for my last, I think four shows, I've not written anything down, and I'll just uh, go to a, I'll book loads of work in progress shows in, and then improvise during those, and then remember the bits that work, and then hone them over time. And so, like you know, I might make notes in my phone after a gig and be like, that word was funnier than that other word you used the other night, or whatever. But um, yeah, I think. At the end of it, I have a show that is completely scripted so that if I went into a situation where the audience were really low energy and almost deadly silent for the whole show, I could still do an hour or two hours of comedy. Uh, I could still go on and do the show and I've got it written and I can navigate that. But in front of an audience who are a bit more up for it and are fun, uh, I can still improvise around that show and mess around a bit, and it would probably balance out on a good night that you know twenty five percent of it is uh loose and whatever, and then like um the rest is all written down, but then even then your delivery and the way you're performing it changes from night to night all the time you know I, I, more now than I used to I think I used to have shows I, I remember my tech in Edinburgh once saying that he could literally predict like for certain jokes, what way I was going to turn my body. And, and, you know, because <laughs> uh, I, 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 I do it the same every night because like I, I was very mechanical and like, this is how each joke has to work. And it's all like a machine and all the cogs. And, um, <laughs> That's interesting. and, uh, that does your head in after a while. And, um, mm-hmm. I've more now of like, you know, let's just see what the energy is like in the room tonight and try and go with that. And sometimes I, mess that up part of the reason i i asked that question is just because to me you know and i'd say this to, about, about both of you you guys is is that you do feel like very natural comedians to the, i imagine to the to, well, to me certainly but to the audiences i think you know it's, it's kind of and it's not to kind of in any way dismiss people who feel very very staged kind of classic like just kind of like set up punchline stuff, which you guys obviously do set up some punchlines. It just feels very natural and organic and almost baked into your character, James. You know, your, your character is, is, is kind of a, a huge element of what you're doing up there, right? And it, and it doesn't ever feel that you're not being James, I think, to a lot of people. Uh, and sometimes I can stray away from that and I mess up. You, know, I, you have good and bad gigs. And uh, <laughs> sometimes I definitely, you know... Uh, I'm tired, I'm not feeling funny, uh, there's hecklers in, whatever it is, and I start, like, I forget to, you know, root it in that persona and that character, and then it can go wrong a little bit. But um, I think definitely finding that balance of, you know, I've got a plan, 
but I don't have to follow it robotically. And that's why I don't write things down or, you know, I, and I try not to decide like, here's how I deliver each thing and whatever, mm. but I have got this show. So like, you know, it, it's, it's fun in that mixture so that your personality can come through and can steer it a bit more and people can feel like you're in the room and you're not just, you know, someone with the fourth wall up doing a monologue. That's the key um, phrase. Again, That's the key phrase, good. right? Isn't it? Dane, uh, Dane is it being in the room is just what I think when it, when it works, yeah. God. Well, yeah. And, if, and, and, and the thing is, you, it, it means you have to have, as James said, you have to leave a, uh, some breath or like a reciprocal energy for it to work that way. Because, uh, if you are trying to, uh, emulate some form of conversation it's, it's as James said, is that you, you kind of, I, I try to write a lot of stuff a lot less down. Ideas and concepts I write down, but in terms of putting shows together, uh, before I'd have like maybe a bullet point or an idea of how a set would go. But as you said, it's more about reading energy and stuff. And I might begin with a particular narrative and depending on how audience members respond to that or they respond to that particular energy. And as they're doing so, I've been able to live edit uh, based on maybe the aesthetic of that audience or, and just like I said, how uh, responsive they are to a particular thread. Then I begin to start making this set uh more relevant to that and not necessarily pandering, but it's you have material and stuff and you have narratives where it's like, I begin to kind of tack on. So I have some friends and within context and stuff, they know what elements of uh, my speech they are kind of key into. If I'm being particularly highbrow with something that they may key into it into a very different way because they have a context of who I am, which is very different to an audience. But at the same time, an audience uh, for them, the payoff is more about the fact that I'm, I'm been able to be highbrow or uh, subvert a particular topic, whereas you might not have that same obligation when you're speaking to your friends. So it, I think they're not mutually exclusive, but at the same time, um, it's mm. I guess it's different. It's different strokes for different situations and stuff. So I was interested by the fact as well that you know you kind of look at how people come up with stuff. Has it <laughs> has it been limiting, James, for you not being out in the world? And then little things happening that allow you to find a way into a bit of comedy from that. <laughs> Not to say that your girlfriend and your body swap life together isn't providing you with lots of uh, lots of great, you know, kind of material. Sure. But <laughs> there's less going on, right? Yeah, I haven't really. I mean, this year was meant to be uh, a year off for me anyway of stand up. So, like, I haven't been writing stand up or thinking about that at all. Really, every now and again, there have been some. Uh, things that naturally pop into your head that you go, oh, that could be a routine. You know, if I was writing a show, maybe that would be something. Um, and a lot of the time, it, yeah, if I was to write a show now, I think it would be about this situation and you just try and write about how your life is and hope that some people will relate to it and those people who don't relate to your experience of lockdown at least see humour in the stuff that you're talking about. I think, you know, Right now, if I was to watch a comedian, I'd want to see someone talk about a lot of the big news stories from this year. Um, I'd, I'd actually like to see, you know, a routine about um, the whole Dominic Cummings thing or about uh, uh, the argument about whether statues of slave traders and stuff should be torn down and all that stuff. I'd rather those news stories that I got invested in or watched, I'd like to see someone do stand up about this year and all the big talking points of this year. Other people wouldn't. Other people, you know, um, we filmed a series of hypothetical recently with a very, a, a much smaller audience. Dane was a fantastic guest on the series. And, Thank um, you for having me. It's very, very fun. It's brilliant. And, uh, and we, 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 we were told we couldn't talk about COVID. We are told, you know, that was, we, we couldn't acknowledge why we were also spaced apart and uh we couldn't go near each other and we couldn't touch something that another panel panelist had touched and all this kind of stuff and we would tell the audience beforehand that we weren't allowed to talk about covid and sometimes some of them would cheer because they didn't want to hear about it <laughs> and uh and i was like okay yeah fair enough but like for me personally if i was watching a comic i want to hear uh, a comedic kind of take on what's going on at the minute i want to hear you know people's viewpoints on all this because it's absolutely batshit and I've never lived through anything like it before. So um, I would hope... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'd hope that, you know, uh, it wouldn't be too difficult to write material at the minute because, you know, this is... It, not only is it such a surreal experience for us as individuals, but it's shared to some degree, you know. It's, it's one of the only shared experiences we've had for a very, very long time. Um, 
at least from the perspective of a lockdown, that's something that some people have heard about, even if they've not directly experienced it themselves. And uh, yeah, I, I think especially for those who, people who refer to themselves as observational comedians, you'd be massively, massively remiss to not chronicle like the experiences that you know the entire planet has had over the last ten months. Um, it'd be really weird. But then at the same time, it's like you know, you know, as a comedian, I guess part of your understanding of the political aspects of our job is people do come to performing artists for uh, an element of escapism. So I think sometimes the fact that you are uh, speaking about around the topic and everything is your acknowledgement of that topic to a large extent is that like, I'm so aware of how it affects people. That's why I'm avoiding discussing it. So, you know, sometimes in some ways it's, it's like, you're still doing the same observation, but it's more of a, I'm observing that, you know, this as a topic kind of elicits a, kind of a a neurosis in people makes them quite anxious. So I probably will veer away from it. But um, that's, I mean, but it's, you know, it's, it's depending, you know, people describe it as tragedy plus timing. So maybe people read a bit more time, I suppose. Yeah. It's amazing to hear you guys talk about it. Because I mean, for me, as, as a comedy fan, who's watched you guys live many times and loved, it's going to be so fascinating to see everyone back out there, hopefully in the kind of, said to, you know, after spring, when things start to get back to some kind of normality, to kind of go and see people and it will feel real in a whole new way because just been, we've just been apart, right, in such a peculiar sense for so long. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to kind of connect again because that's where comedy's the best, right, is when you're connecting with an audience and they're connecting with you, um, which is uh, it feels like a distant memory, right? We'll see. We're still, we're still going through it right now. We'll see. I, I'm a... Uh... Yeah, remaining pensive in terms of how the uh, social fabric of society will be restitched. Yeah, I don't know really. It, it, it's weird because, like you know, like I said, I I had uh, last year was the busiest I'd been with live stuff, and um, before that, you know, I've had twelve years of just constantly doing stand up gigs since the moment I was an open spot um, and trying to gig all the time. And last year, I was like, I need to have a year off. I need to have a, a year where I don't do any gigs whatsoever. So this was always going to be the plan. And I haven't missed it. I haven't missed doing stand-up. And um, I don't know when it will start up again, but I also don't know when I'm right. going to want to start up again. So it's it's a weird one at the minute where I'm not thinking like, wow. oh, I, I, I want to get on stage and I've, I've got these things that I want to talk about. I'm kind of just feeling like, oh, well, well that'll, you know, I'll, I'll do online fundraisers for live comedy and I'll, I'll, do, I'll do stuff like that to, to help out. But um, I myself am not like, I hope they start up soon so I can do a gig. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, you couldn't have timed it any better, could you? Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> That is mental that that was how it worked out for you. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, very weird. Very weird. But um, thank you to both of you for answering that question. It's kind of a, a quite a comedy geeky one because I, I, I do find people's uh, general impression of what comedy is isn't always the reality. And so it's quite interesting to kind of dive in on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but over to you, Dane, for today's final question in this episode. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's been some great questions so far. Um Definitely agree with your sentiment, James, and that it, it was. I think it's important to take a break, and the stillness and the break from comedy has been immensely beneficial. Um, that being that being said, uh, I would. Uh, I hope I'm not being too presumptive in saying, based on your approach to comedy, you definitely love the art form. Yes, um, and um, obviously, it would not be a too long a departure from it uh, with the break you're taking. But um, what I wanted to ask is because I, I feel like even. Like myself, I'm, I'm sure that you do have the time to kind of reflect on the fact that we're able to do something we enjoy for a living. Mm. Um, but by the same token, they say you should change your job every 10 years. Uh, I say that to say this, that uh, amongst many discussions and conspiracy theories, uh, one of the ones people have said have been the introduction of a living wage in the West, where your basically your lifestyle is kind of supplemented. Mm. Um, and I'm just giving you that context because I'm saying, uh, let's say... Not for any, not for any negative reason, but like you know, you've re- you've reached this apex of this phase of your comedy slash artistic career, mm-hmm. um, and it's like we're just take we're taking a break. It's like a hiatus. So let's say money's not an object. Your uh, prosperity is not depending upon how much money you make. Um, what other than comedy? What would be your ideal job post lock post lockdown? 
Mm. And 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 again, like this, this is the, like even if the, just to give context, even if it was like I want to be like, so caterpillars have hair, and I want to be a hair a hairdresser for caterpillars. That is completely valid. So there's no stupid job here at all. Okay. So yeah. So it's like, what would be your vocation? Oh, it's very difficult. There's uh, there's there's jobs that I've had in the past that um. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I've actually enjoyed... Well, the job I had before I did stand-up, this is going to sound very altruistic, but it's not. But like, uh, before I did stand-up, the last job I had was I worked in a school as a classroom assistant with um, autistic children. And I did that job just because I'd just moved to London to do stand-up comedy, but I wasn't making enough money from stand-up, so I needed a day job, and I needed a job that meant I had my evenings free to do gigs. And it was one of the few jobs I was qualified for, so I didn't have, I mean, I didn't have any qualifications, but I'd... Uh, I taught kids the drums in the past and I'd done respite work uh, with uh, one uh, boy who had Down syndrome. And so like I kind of had some experience in teaching kids and working with people with disabilities. Uh, so like I was able to get that job. And that's the only reason I did it. Um, and then I was surprised with like how much I enjoyed working there, how much I enjoyed kind of like, there's a lot of problem solving. Maybe that's like quite similar to when you're a stand-up and you're trying to do problem solving with your routines and why doesn't this routine work and how do I get this to work? And then, you know, how do I um, manage to do a gig in this room above a pub, but then also do well at this tent at a festival? And then how do I do well at the end of the fringe, but then also do well at a new material night in London or uh, a gig out in, in the West country that, that is like uh, part of um, you know, some sort of, uh, weekend a church has put on or whatever and then working at the school um i had to figure out how to work with every single kid and every single kid was different and there was different techniques of working with each one of them and ways to get you know make sure their day-to-day experience was as calm and um productive as possible for the for them and uh and i kind of really enjoyed that i mean on my first day there just standing uh, at lunchtime they put me um you all get put, all the teachers and classroom assistants get put in different places for lunch, at different lunchtime clubs. I got put in the activity hall where the kids were just like, they were all legging it around the activity hall and there was different things they could play with, but some kids were fighting over the stuff and I didn't know how to control any of them. It was day one. I didn't know any of the kids' names and I would just stand in there thinking, I don't know what to do and I'm useless here. And then nine months later, when I was about to leave and you know I was able to quit that job and become a uh, full-time stand-up um i remember being on that same uh duty for the last week in the activity hall and i knew all the kids and i knew you know what some of their triggers were what how to calm down some of them you know um what you know the, the kids who might you know uh who might try and poke me in the eye and the kids who would do nothing to me and like so how to like 
could, in some cases, I could just look at and they knew that I knew um, what they were up to. And then they wouldn't do it because, like, they, you know, they, by that, that point, I had a certain relationship with them when they were like, he knows I'm not allowed near that particular toy because I can't, I don't, I don't behave myself. And he's just looked at me, so I won't go near it. Whereas on my first day, they would just walk right up to it, maintain eye contact with me, and then throw the toy. <laughs> <at me. laughs> um, so, like, uh, and I really, I just enjoyed and, and felt like, you know, I hadn't had a job before that where I felt myself uh, improving throughout the whole time there. And I felt like I understood people more by the end. I think I've completely unlearned all of it now. <laughs> but like, uh, but at, at that point, I'm, I'm being more empathetic towards just people in general uh, because of like, you can't work with kids like that without being an empathetic person, you have to think, well, why are they feeling like that today? And, and how do I help them? And I really, really did enjoy it and was sad when I had to leave, even though the plan was to go to London and become a professional stand-up. And I felt so lucky to be able to quit my job and do that. And that's thanks to Josie Long, who gave me uh, support on her tour. But like, uh, but I was, you know, I was surprised at how I was a bit gutted to, to not, uh, not be working there anymore. And, yeah, I, I think in terms of like, there are jobs that I've never done, which I might be like, oh, I'd like to see what that was like. But it's always been a, a bit of a kind of like, oh, in a something you have moments in life where you go, in and if I had more than one life and I could live this whole life again, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I never trust the people who say I wouldn't change a thing. I'm like, bullshit. You've already had this. You've already done this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do it differently. And I think, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, I maybe want to see how what what road my life would go down if I'd stayed there absolutely I, I really I um yeah, and that and that and that should always be the premise of the question as well is that is if you could do it again without and and, and this because I, I like to think you know you know there's, there's people like oh um I like to think obviously people adhere to Abrahamic religion is this idea that people that pass on to the other side either look down on us or kind of have a continuing interest with the way other people's lives continue. But I think I doubt that very much. I feel like if human beings were already happy to indulge Blu-ray DVDs with like alternate endings, I think if you had a place in another life where you could look at alternate earths or alternate realities based on crucial decisions you've made and how that unfolds, I think I'd spend hundreds of years doing that on the other side before I cared about the first ever people on this planet are doing. Like, I think it's a real part of our vanity where we're like, I know grandma's still watching me, don't you think your grandma has better things to fucking do? Yeah, she's like, got loads of channels to, to like, look you know, at. Yeah, like maybe your grandma wants to find out what kind of life she would have had if she wasn't so marred down by a patriarchal idea of coupling in the form of marriage. Oh. Maybe she wants to know what happened if she pursued that thing with that hunk that she met during the Blitz. I, so, I think know, about this. Close. I think about this kind of thing all the time, uh, especially now because as, as a few as listeners and, and Dane and I mentioned to James, I, I made a human person this year and you kind of look at him and kind of go god there's so many possibilities right it's just every possibility under the sun first of all you you co-collaborated on a human <laughs> yes yeah, sorry a yeah, good point good point it wasn't all my own work don't get don't get cancelled howard <laughs> good point tara will be furious um but yeah, yeah, yeah. And out, of, out of the two of you as well you did the least yes that's, that's yeah exactly yes that is yeah. fair that is if, really if anything you, you kind of you kind of exec produced i mean you might have turned up to the studio but <laughs> the investment i put investment in you know yeah, feature. yeah you're a feature you know you um, some money yeah i was gonna make a seed investment joke but it's not worth it um but the, the <laughs> the um the the thing about the boy that comes into my head uh, which is you know babies that you you kind of spot that they like certain things more than others so my my guy Dylan he loves music right like he's well into mm-hmm. it and it's kind of interesting that he'll be getting pissed off and you'll put on anything on Spotify and he's kind of like He's like a like a like a meerkat. His ears prick up, and he's like, "Who's that? Per- what is that?" And he's kind of he's clearly into it. Um, and it's mm. made me think, "Oh God, you know, I'd, I'd I'd like him to, you know, he's called Dylan Cohen, so he's got a good start in terms of going into music, hasn't he?" Um, so you know, like I, I kind of think about it, like, "Oh, he's what is he going to pursue musically?" I'm sure we'll encourage him. And then I remember. I don't think I've ever told you this, Dane. We still find new things to talk about. Um, that when I was uh, six years old at primary school, I started piano lessons and uh, I had six. And after the sixth one, I had to decide where I wanted to carry on. And I said, no. Uh, and I said, I don't want to do this. And from that moment on, I have zero musical ability, like zero. And I know James 
have a great ability on the drum kit, you know, and uh, <laughs> and I, I've got nothing. I, I'd love to be a musician. That would be like I, I genuinely probably fantasize about it when I'm listening to music. <laughs> I think a lot of people do when they listen to music, right? You think mm-hmm. it'd be great to be this person. Yeah. But like, to, but do you know what? I'm actually going to say to be a drummer, unsung, the un, often unsung heroes of music, right, James? <laughs> the drummers. To be, uh, just to be, you know, to, to have a, you know, even just being like a Genesis tribute band or something. <laughs> just like, I mean, that's a Howard. pretty big drum <laughs> you don't, You don't have to be in the tribute band, Howard. Money is not an object. Neither yeah, is yeah. a stature in society. Just be in Genesis. Just be you in Genesis. Yeah. Like, I'd be yeah, in a Phil, Collins, a Phil Collins world tour in 2021. Uh, that would be uh, a perfect career for me to have instead of this, which I do like, obviously. But, you know. I do. So hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> if you could do a body swap, you would body swap with LeBron James. But if you could have any career, you would be Phil Collins. I don't understand this. <laughs> Phil Collins is drummer. <laughs> well, Phil Collins obviously has his own skills on the drum. I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a complex guy, James, and uh, you know, the, 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 there's a good juxtaposition between those. Things. I mean, a lot, I think a lot of people respect, obviously, the work of. Uh, Phil Collins, uh, yeah. Dane. Yeah, we've never. I don't know if we've ever talked about Phil Collins, have we or not? But no, big fan. And uh, yeah, Genesis are really good. Uh, Jesus, who knows me, is a great one. Mm. And uh, and uh, also, I can't, I can't dance. Yep. I thought it was very funny. Yeah. Um, and obviously, uh, in the air tonight is a classic. I think I'd broaden uh, my. I think I'd broaden it and say I don't have to just be in Phil Collins's band. That might be. <laughs> You know, I don't know if Phil's touring next year. Obviously, James. Sure. Day, you know, I feel. I feel like if if Phil is smart and if Phil is vital, I can't see why Phil would not be a part of another massive tour. I like. I I like to think like twenty twenty one onwards, when we are able to re- return to a state of the closest to normalcy in terms of live performance, we can. Hmm. I think for uh, companies like Ticketmaster and Live Nation, I think it's in everyone's interest to make basically to almost turn live venues on a global scale mm. into the equivalent of like the fringe James are like, you know, normally it's like mm-hmm. this cupboard can fit a microphone in it. It's a room. Yeah. Like that's how it's going to work yeah. with like, it's going to work with concerts and live performance. It's going to be like, Oh yeah. That roof on top of that building is big enough. Looks like a venue for me. And so <laughs> I, it would be, it would be weird to suggest, to think that uh, Phil Collins wouldn't enjoy the opportunity to tour now. Oh yeah. Although Dane, you were saying, you know, when people, when it gets back to normal, maybe people aren't going to want to hear about stuff that's maybe triggering, reminds them of COVID, stuff like that. I don't think Phil Collins is going to be playing in the air tonight. <laughs> that, that, is, that is true. That is true. And it goes, stranger to you and me. <laughs> Another day in paradise. Yeah, not so much, Phil, actually, now you mention it. Then again, then again, then again, if he does tap into the correct um, conspiracy theorist market, like the foreboding that comes with that amazing song mm. will work excellently. And I can see it maybe having... Maybe a Christmas number one, 2021. Yeah. yeah I was actually thinking knows. about this the other I, I week. Read. I was actually thinking about this the other week when I was listening to the song Easy Lover. And I was thinking, it's a little bit, oh, I'm not sure the Me Too movement will enjoy the the song Easy Lover. It's kind of a little bit offensive now, isn't it, really? But I don't think that's the top of their priority list. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right, 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 yeah, right now. Right, right now. <laughs> Good point. Also, also, Howard, I guess the rebuttal would be that, you know, uh, with the fluidity of gender, you don't have to preface Easy Lover saying she and mm. also she doesn't necessarily have to mean a cisgender woman either in today's world yeah phil if you're listening so, you can you can still get away with that we're thinking um yeah <laughs> the, vocal, the vocals are way too good for uh oh yeah oh, those like, harmonies by the time you're like what pronoun did he use like we're already on better forget it <laughs> and we're all trying to do that falsetto so that's still be all right that's lovely dane um uh, dane where do you stand on this where what are you fancy doing um, um, what do I fancy doing? Do you know, I, I try, I don't want to limit myself too much now. Uh, and this refers back to the earlier question as well, James, because my, in my short list of body, of, uh, body swaps, I was mm. thinking Kanye West, but then right, I had to yeah. think about, cause I, I was thinking about, uh, magnitude of, uh, cultural impact, but then mm. I thought maybe global impact was actually more important given the time mm. frame. And I say that to say this because I feel like Kanye has been inspirational to me, maybe not with his narrative, but so far as, as a polymath of going from music to, uh, fashion design uh, and even uh, design and architecture I really admire that and so for me uh, yeah I would like to see myself maybe moving from doing comedy and performing arts you know yeah. as you were saying before like the job you're doing is very similar it's about you know uh, you know, it's, it's very humanist and about finding resolutions for people um, mm-hmm. and I, I like that idea so 
on uh, my WhatsApp, I, I refer to myself as an astronaut on an astral plane. Um, and the reason why is because I would like the idea of uh, having a job where I would uh, study dreams and I study, uh, use uh, mediums like dreams or, uh, you know, uh, suggestion to uh, study human psychology in the human mind. So, if, so almost like a, so like, let's say if somebody had uh, uh, schizophrenia or any kind of personality disorder, it would be able to have the technology to explore that particular character. So almost like a body swap, but in real life. So if someone is dealing with that, it's that like for virtual reality, mm. we are able to kind of recreate that aesthetic and help that person uh, therapeutically by yeah, just taking a walk inside of their minds. So mm. that's something that I'd like to do. Um, the other thing I would like be to do is... Be a mind walker. You want to be a mind walker? Yeah, be a, yeah like a, so as I say, like an astral plane astronaut. So like I'd be able to like connect to people via their dreams and through all the images or suggestions they may experience or whether that's uh, delusions and stuff. And maybe we'll learn to walk them through that and uh, help them to cancel that. So I think that'd be good to have that shared experience. I think I can imagine or, some um, people's minds being quite delightful to walk through. I imagine it's a really... Some would be, yeah. I imagine, James, is your, your mind's a very pleasant park experience. No. Really? <laughs> I don't think anyone's. I think there's there is a dark oh. side of the moon, Howard. Oh, sure, but I imagine yeah, if you just got James on a good day, it's just like a, a really nice, you know, really nice park experience. It's a little bit. You need to have a jacket, but it's a little. You know, it's a, it's a bright day. No, 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 no. Oh no, you, you, you'd be you'd be wading through like you know, why are there all these like marshes of self doubt? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's that big dark spot over there that's an existential crisis stay away yeah, from yeah. that <laughs> stay away from that this is like stay here along ra- rational, rationalization part yeah well i think i feel like yeah that's that's i mean that's a big revelation for people to understand how it is that hmm. one of the uh i for me one of the big uh, uh motivators for uh comedy is being able to be aware of and uh observing uh trauma even not necessarily from yourself, but mm. absor- observing trauma or the pathology of trauma, and I guess existing to provide a uh, alternative, at, at least uh, artistically. Mm. I feel I feel like with comedy, that's part of the duality: is that the more you have an understanding or you're able to make observations regarding sorrow and trauma, the more you uh, can, or the harder you work to create an alternate uh, state compared to that. Like you look at arguably, for example, Richard Pryor the guy, one of the best comedians of his generation, whose childhood traumas would be like, you know, it'd be a very difficult opening part of a film oh, for yeah. a biopic if they showed it. So that makes sense. So, um, and the other thing I'd like to do mm. is, uh, I have a theory based on no scientific research whatsoever that, uh, if we are able to combine the, uh, stem cells and 3d printers we can revolutionise the uh, organ production and prosthesis industry. And so I would like to go into a lot of research in terms of like taking stem cells and stuff and being able to uh, grow and create uh, tissue and organs for like, you know, I guess people affected by war, mm. uh, people born with uh, degenerative diseases or or genetic defects. And uh, yeah, I'd like to do a lot more research into that in terms of like how we can improve uh, humanity in that respect. Mm, yeah. And, um, Man, I feel bad now. I, I feel bad now because I just wanted to no, be Phil, no, Col- I just no, to be Phil no, Collins' I, but, drummer. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. No, but that, that's cool, though. But, you know, I, but even things like being Phil Collins, that's, that's fine, though. Because, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, I like, I, like, I, like, um, I like the idea, for example, of looking at just human kinesthetics and understanding if why some people are good at drumming and is that because of they have particular fast twitch muscles or synapses that respond better to, or they're able to have a, a high aptitude in terms of, you know, how they respond to frequencies and vibration. Like I'd like to study that. I think it's based on a, a friend of mine told me that the Welsh sports council went to their schools in Wales and were able to work out based on your physiology, what sports and stuff you would prosper in. Hmm. And I, um, I think I've said before, like I, I'm pretty not hot on classic structures of academia. Uh, and I'd like, I would like to kind of create a framework whereby, you know, we dispense with any kind of uh, employment-based or occupational hierarchy. So if you're someone who has an interest in working with anaerobic uh, microbes or sewage, and that's what you're interested in, that's something that is championed Mm. with the same kind of gusto that we would someone who's interested in banking or neurology. And so that's encouraged in terms of like how this person, this person really likes, is interested in shit. And if they are interested in literal shit, 
then we encourage them to learn about it as much as possible. And so working towards creating a whole framework of universal education mm. where everyone contributes to benefiting humanity rather than having a uh, occupational hierarchy and people being salarized accordingly. Right, so I feel like that's a big problem with us, our, our capitalist society is that if we gave, you know, when people in America say stuff like, well, if you don't listen in class, you're going to be pumping gas and sold in people's fries. And it's like, what the fuck's wrong with that? I want whoever the best uh, fry salter is in the world yeah. or the best ones in the world. I want them to feel confident and fulfilled enough to maximize that. So we get the optimal fry to put a salt to fry ratio, which is very important, obviously. That yeah. is important. I, actually, I mean, it's something that genuinely I think like it's why you get so many more food travel shows around America and stuff. It's because yeah. there's a there's a pride in 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 the the food outlets there, whether it's fast food or fine dining, mm. of like being the best at that specific thing and being better than your local competitors and stuff like that. Oh, and yeah. so you get loads of really amazing places to eat, and that's starting to build now in the UK. It's mm. not as prevalent as it is over there, but like as someone who does a food podcast and then travels around the country doing gigs. I'm seeing it creeping in more now and it's good to see. Yeah. I mean, hopefully those places will survive after uh, all of this mess. Fingers but, crossed, uh, eh? Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that has been a wonderfully lovely episode to, to be part of, hasn't it, Dane? What a, what a thoughtful episode. Absolutely. But I had no doubt. Um, I always knew that we would get a very nice and cerebral uh, episode with uh, Mr. A. Costa, um, Jr., is it, very kind it's been a pleasure obviously I had no doubt that this would be a very fun and cerebral episode uh, James thank you so much for coming on the podcast again and thank you for having me on your podcast oh thank you and oh, thank yeah. you for having me on your podcast and please tell our listeners uh, where they can find uh, more of our voices working adroitly but as well as where they can find more of your work too yeah well Dane was a fantastic guest on my Perfect Sounds podcast which is on BBC Sounds or wherever you get your podcasts it's me trying to prove that 2016 is the greatest year for music of all time <laughs> I send a, a different guest every week an album from 2016 they come on and we talk about it uh, with me and Dane have already talked about the Koji Radical album 23 Winters and there's an upcoming episode with Dane a second episode coming out as well where we talk about uh, and I, do you know what I'll, I'll reveal it I don't care because I think I think people uh, people love this album, and we talk about King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard and their album Nonagon Infinity, and that was a pleasure to chat to Dane about that. I'm really looking forward to that coming and out. And a very good album, very good album, and a very amazing concept. So I really yeah. Enjoyed it. Yeah, we got deep into it, especially the concept. Um, also, yeah, me and Ed Gamble do off-menu as well, where we talk about food. And uh, the most exciting thing that I've got coming up is on the 17th of December, uh, my last tour show, Cold Lasagna, Hate Myself 1999, which I filmed last December, will be live-streamed. Uh, well, live-streamed, it'll be streamed but as, <laughs> as live. Yeah on Dice which is a, a, a streaming platform a live streaming platform and uh, this two hour long show that I recorded in December with a full room uh, will go out and I'm so proud of it I'm, I've never been so proud of anything that I've done if I'm honest and I'm really looking forward to that being live streamed you can go to Dice FM and get tickets for that um, let me tell you and, yeah, let me tell you listeners if you like James's work that is his you know Sergeant Peppers or the uh, you know the whatever your favourite band's equivalent you know is an absolute uh, wonderful piece of work wonderful thanks man very, Thank very good so for those of you who are wanting to check out the Acaster Opus that is called Lasagna I Hate Myself then check that out on Dice and also guys do not uh, ignore the entire uh, James Acaster anthology currently available on Netflix as well as I say you will not find a comic like him uh, which is why he has had so many accommodations and we admire him very much on this podcast so thank you so much James thank you James thank um, you we shall see you again so, someday in, in person who knows We'll see. Well, I, might, I might just carry on living like this, but yeah. <laughs> well, wherever, wherever you choose, as long as you're happy, James, I will be happy. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> in, in, enjoy and um, have a wonderful day. And uh, yeah, I uh, hope to hear from you soon. Lockdown or otherwise. You too. Thanks, guys. Don't stop asking questions. <laughs> Never will. Thank you very much, James. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. Hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBaptweets or Instagram at DaneSnaptiste. Our guest was James Acaster. You can follow James on Twitter at James Acaster. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. 
Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at We Are Audio Culture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks to Polly, Gelly, and the ACAST team for all their support. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.